Chapter 6, Reflective Practice Case of the day! A case. That didn't go well at all, thought Jeffrey. He had just begun his third year of emergency medicine residency training at University Medical Center, a level 1 trauma center, and was now responsible for leading the trauma resuscitations alongside the center's trauma surgeons. He was removing his gown and gloves and reflecting on the patient that he had just cared for, wondering why he felt the case went poorly. Jeffrey had prepared for the case after receiving pre-hospital notification from paramedics. He had run through possible interventions with his attending, readied his equipment at the bedside, and positioned himself at the head of the stretcher prior to patient arrival. The patient was a young man with a gunshot wound to the thorax, presenting with hypotension. Fortunately, the trauma room became chaotic the moment the patient arrived. Multiple providers were shouting orders even before the paramedics could provide a history or the patient had been transferred to the emergency department stretcher. The ED pharmacist acted on the first order he received for opiate analgesia, but he did not hear the other request for antibiotics. The charting nurse shouted multiple times for the blood pressure value, clearly unable to hear the response that Jeffrey provided. The EM and surgical staff argued for a short spell, whether the patient needed to be emergently intubated or not. Once the decision was made in favor of intubation, Jeffrey was given approximately 60 seconds to attempt the procedure, only to be bumped out of place by the anesthesiologist. The trauma room is no place to learn a procedure for the first time, stated the trauma attending. The surgeons had no idea that Jeffrey had, in fact, performed numerous successful intubations in the past. After the patient was stabilized, the ED staff began to wheel the patient to the radiology suite for advanced imaging, only to have the senior surgical resident scream, I told you he's too unstable for CT! We're taking him to the OR! Are you deaf? Jeffrey was asked to stay around after the case, as a charting nurse was unable to hear any elements of Jeffrey's primary and secondary survey. The senior nurse in the trauma room who had been practicing at the center for 25 years, told Jeffrey, you need to do a better job keeping control of the room. Jeffrey was so demoralized he was unsure if he could complete the rest of his shift. Question for the reader. If you were advising Jeffrey, what would you suggest that he do? Overview. Overview. Reflection, or reflective practice, is a theory of knowledge acquisition predicated on the belief that learning occurs through deliberate and comprehensive thinking about a schema or activity, both during and after the performance of that activity. Most descriptions of reflective practice postulate that a learner considers and reflects on a need or a problem when she or he encounters a new practice or unexpected difficulty with a familiar practice. Reflective practice supports a constructivist epistemology of knowledge, i.e. theory of learning, that suggests that new knowledge is integrated and interpreted based on past experience and learning, as the learner often has predisposed attitudes and knowledge that directly influences that individual's experience, interpretation, with a learning opportunity. Finally, some models of reflective practice stress that reflection may occur both during and after an activity. Reflective practice is fundamentally 
an iterative process with thoughts that drive action during an activity, and the consideration of elements of the activity after the fact, informing future performance of the activity. These inter- and post-performance cognitive process yield learning and knowledge. Here's some background. The theory of reflection as a fundamental skill for learning first arose from the writings of John Dewey, who defined reflection as active, persistent, and careful consideration of any belief or supposed form of knowledge in the light of the grounds that support it and the further conclusive to which it tends. In his book, Reach, Touch, and Teach, Terry Borden built upon Dewey's theory when he described a simple iterative cycle of learning, coining the phrase, what, so what, and now what? In this model, the what is the new activity or experience. The so what is the rationale, cognitive examination of the experience that just occurred. And the now what is the manner by which the learner incorporates the results of their cognitive analysis into future action. Donald Schoen became a thought leader of reflective practice when he described a knowledge cycle predicated on education and expertise that occurs both consciously and subconsciously during activity. Consistent with other theorists in the field, Schoen's description is learner-centric. It is through the stepwise progression of thoughts and impressions that a learner develops knowledge with little influence from the teacher. Schoen posited that the approach an individual employs when addressing a particular problem arises from both the learning that occurred during the performance of that action as well as the processing of problems, solutions, and outcomes after the fact. Schoen described a reflective loop wherein the individual performs an action, knowing in action, but may encounter a stimulus outside of their expertise, a surprise. A skilled individual may be able to improvise or think on their feet to attend to the problem directly, perhaps through experimentation. After the new experience, the individual may engage in reflection on action, a post hoc analysis of actions, reactions, and consequences. This later reflection reinforces knowledge and is a key element in developing mastery or expertise. A contemporary of Schoen, David Kolb, described a cyclical theory of experiential learning. Kolb stated that a learner may have or participate in a concrete experience. After this, the individual engages in reflective observation, reviewing the concrete experience. Next, the learner engages in abstract conceptualization, where the reflection gives rise to new ideas or schemata or modifications of a previous concept. Finally, the learner will employ active experimentation, applying the new ideas to the world around them and utilizing the new approach in subsequent concrete experiences. Graham Gibbs built upon previous theories and described his own reflective cycle to describe growth and development in the learner. His highly intuitive learning cycle model provides the learner with cue questions based on integral concepts to be examined after a new activity. The steps of Gibbs cycle include 1. Description Objective review of events without editorial. 2. Feelings. How the events influence the emotional state of the learner. 3. Evaluation. What did or did not go well with the event. Subjective judgments. 4. Analysis. Global impression of the events within the context of other knowledge and experience. 5. Conclusion. 
how best to frame the events, evaluating what could have been done or avoided. And six, an action plan, what to do in analogous situations in the future to improve circumstances or outcomes. Modern takes on this theory. Recent publications have tried to align reflective practice and experiential learning where similar concepts are related and overlap. As quoted in Jennifer Moon's book, Transforming experiential and tacit knowledge into principled explicit knowledge about teaching requires intentional reflection for the purpose of making sense of and learning from experience. For the purpose of improvement, reflection requires linking existing knowledge to an analysis of the relationship between current experience and future action. Reflection aids in the reflective processes themselves, thereby building and expanding knowledge. The implementation of reflective practice has recently gained favor in medical education. In a systematic review on the practice of reflection in the education of healthcare professionals, Mann and colleagues identified multiple studies that suggest that reflective practice is a key practice for health professionals. Reflection appears to be a useful approach for learners to make sense of complicated situations, as frequently occurs in the realm of patient care. The process appears to be stimulated by complex scenarios, though variably utilized, depending on the individual. Reflection can be a skill that is developed over time and put into use in various contexts. Multiple studies demonstrate that healthcare professionals use processes that resemble reflection in action and reflection on action during patient care. Mann argues that Reflection may be most useful when viewed as a learning strategy to assist learners to connect and integrate new learning with existing knowledge and skills. Reflection may not be an explicit learning tool for novices. However, it can be modeled by experienced practitioners and taught to junior learners as a means to assess their state of knowledge, to identify strengths and weaknesses, and to improve the learning environment in subsequent iterations. Here are some other examples of where this theory could apply. Reflective practice has been used with medical students, nursing professionals, and pharmacy professionals. In one study, Gibbs' reflective cycle was used to optimize learning in a simulation curriculum. In the classroom, reflective writing is a practice that is shown to be of benefit to medical students and residents, seeking to cultivate empathy resilience, and wellness. Limitations of this theory. The learner-centric nature of reflective practice necessitates an engaged learner. As this practice may be novel to some learners, appropriate instruction and framing is critical to its success. It is important that learners see this as not just another assignment, but as an integral component to their ongoing growth. Eva and Reguer suggest that cognitive sociobiological, and social factors limited individuals' insight into their own performance and abilities. This impairs accurate, summative self-assessment required for reflection. As the authors state, personal, unguided reflections on practice simply do not provide the information sufficient to guide performance improvements. In essence, reflection requires pedagogical oversight, and feedback from an expert or mentor, a process Eva and Reguer termed self-directed assessment seeking. 
Returning to the case. Case of the day. Jeffrey spoke with a number of peers and realized he was not alone in having a sense that the trauma room was more disorganized and stressful than he had anticipated. After reflecting on the circumstances that took place in a number of recent trauma resuscitations, it became clear that interdisciplinary communication between the ED and trauma attendings needed to improve. It was Jeffrey who argued that a lack of communication in the trauma bay would not improve until there was substantive interdisciplinary communication outside the trauma bay. He felt that all providers would function better if they could mutually agree on the optimal organization of care. For example, who performs the primary and secondary surveys? Who calls out orders? Etc. With the support of his emergency medicine program director, Jeffrey conceived and organized the EM Surgery Collaboration Committee with meetings every four months to address issues and concerns related to the care of trauma patients. During these meetings, representatives from the clinical services were able to reflect on the challenges they perceived when working together and how to improve team performance. For example, Jeffrey learned that the surgeons did not know that EM residents had sufficient training in airway management prior to taking on the role of trauma team leader. Both services cited the need for a singular voice leading the resuscitations, calling out information and making orders. Both groups cited a desire for a trauma resuscitation with less noise pollution. In effect, Jeffrey promoted reflective observation of the care of trauma patients among all stakeholders. This led to a shared abstract conceptualization of optimal trauma patient care, thereby improving knowledge and action in the care of future trauma patients. <laughs>